I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Yes, indeed. We've got an exciting episode this time. We certainly do. And welcome back, Angels, Shadow Fam, to Return to the Shadows. Oh my gosh, we're finally here. Finally here. The the episode, the piece de resistance of season one. Yep, 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 yep. After, what did we take, two full days filming this one scene that this, this episode culminates in? Yeah. I forgot how much glass there was in the studios <gasps> in season oh one. God. Just a nightmare. So much glass. It's everywhere. No so much glass. No. God, we really <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What's interesting is because then I didn't I didn't know as much about the technical side of filmmaking and the things you have to think about and all of that. But thinking back on it now, just the reflections alone must have been an absolute nightmare. Nightmare. For absolute nightmare. For camera department to figure out. Yep, 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 yep. Well, shall we dive in? Let's. So here we are, Dom, at season one, episode 12, entitled Malik. Very simply. Very simply Malik. It aired originally on March 29th, 2016, written by the lovely Michael Reese and directed by James Marshall. 
guest starring Alan Van Sprang, Maxim Roy, David Castro, John Corr, Stephanie Bennett, and Caitlin Lieb, and co-starring Stephen R. Hart. What a full house we have for this episode. What a full house. And as for what we're in store for, well, what more can be said than all you need is Malik. On the eve of Alec and Lydia's wedding, relationships are examined. The Institute is in full swing as everyone prepares for Alec and Lydia's wedding, but not everyone is celebrating as relationships are tested. Clary and Jay struggle to come to terms with their newly revealed past. Alec is confused with his feelings for Magnus, especially when Magnus won't give up on him. Magnus, Clary and Jay search for Ragnafell, a warlock who may in fact hold the antidote to wake up Jocelyn. Ragnafell, I'm so excited. We should also mention that Adam Kenneth Wilson plays Ragnarfell. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. This is um, only episode. Is it? It is. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he is the ghost here. You're absolutely right. Wow, it's like you were in the show. <laughs> um, so let's dive right in. Yeah, we can't really talk about any of the book-to-screen stuff yet because it's all spoilery. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to skip that. I'm going to skip that for now. But fun facts we can talk about. Oh, yeah, what a fun fact. Shooting took place in September 2015, which is still... It still blows my mind that we were filming this such a long time ago. Like it's getting to the stage now where I get yeah. recognized for playing Jace and they someone goes, "Oh, you're Jace, right?" and it's a bit like, "I was, yeah, many years ago." We're getting to that stage where I can actually say that. Yeah. Uh Malik yeah. was a fan-made couple or ship name for Magnus Bane and Alec Lightwood. That's interesting. Was it for, surely from the books though originally? That must yeah. have been where it came yeah, from. Definitely all of the most of our ship names yeah, with the exception of, you know, some of the ones we created that we'll get into in season two and yeah. three. Um, a lot of these ship names came from the book fandom. Yeah. Um, Magnus is talking about siblings who are attracted to each other. He says, I once knew a couple in ancient Egypt. This is a likely reference to Cleopatra, whose famous romances may have included more than one sibling, most famously and confirmed her brother whom she married. Gross. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's grim. Uh, because Constantine Film does not own the rights to the Bane Chronicles, the mentions of Imasu, uh, the musician from Peru who had a fling with Magnus Bane in 1890, was technically not allowed. So I wonder how we managed to get away with that, because people tend to be very on top of like when you make mistakes. I guess maybe because it was just a fleeting mention and we didn't That's, discuss the character in any way. I think so. And also because he's a historical figure. Mm. Um, I think, well, let me put it this way. If he really is a musician from Peru, you know, in the way that we pull in Cleopatra and the way that we pull in, was it Diplo that we said was a, a uh, warlock was, or a vampire um, or something? Calvin Harris. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, we if it was one of those folks, then obviously it's, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with the books and it's a bit fair game. <sighs> but if it was a book character that was created, that would be interesting. But then I wonder, because I know that... It is. The, yeah. Is it a real knows, person? It's funny. It, well, so the first thing I typed in, Umasu Peru musician, and all it comes up with is Umasu and Magnus Bane. The, the first, like, 20 results are just that. Well, I mean... Was Magnus Bane a real person? The Shadow Fan will prevail, Dom. We know this. <laughs> yeah, it, well, exactly. During the <laughs> wedding scene, the necklace of Lydia keeps disappearing and reappearing. Uh, this is until she finally gets the necklace from Alec. That is hysterical, and I'm going to keep an eye out for that when we're watching it. That's so funny. I've never noticed Well that. spotted. Whoever spotted that, that is, <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things that happens sometimes, like wedding rings is another one that's always a nightmare, especially if you're married in real life. 
you forget to yeah. take off the real one and put on the you know mm-hmm. whatever the fake one um but that's interesting eagle-eyed fans yeah. keep an eye out for that um we can't talk about book to screen as of yet so let's just dive in so although there is one thing we can mention um when hodge shows the pictures of mm. and it's interesting going back to the whole imasu thing in different book properties because there are three warlocks that show up at a certain point and another thing a lot of the book fans caught is that one of them was was Ragnar Fell, the other was Tessa Gray, and the other was Katarina Loss, mm-hmm. who are all warlocks uh, from the books, particularly from the Infernal Devices. Although they are mentioned in the Mortal Instruments, mm-hmm. so maybe that's something we've got away with it. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how legality works with intellectual property. Like, because you wrote these characters, but they were in more than one version of that stimulus. But if we're not allowed to use a version of the stimulus that includes those characters, then are we allowed to use those characters because they were in another stimulus or we're not allowed to touch them at all? Who knows? The legalities of this are exhausting, quite frankly. Anyway, shall we dive into the episode? Please, let's. So the episode starts with a very cross Jace. So cross, so scary. Ooh, grumpy, grumpy Jace. Yeah, I am cross patch. I'm a cross patch bunny today. And I think largely because... (laughs) Yeah, I'm a cross patch bunny. I've never heard that that before. I'm going to start using a cross patch bunny. Well, there you go. But yes, he is cross patch. You can tell because my jaw is doing that thing that it does. Are you doing the jaw clench? I'm doing the jaw clench. Yeah. (gasps) There have been many occasions where, because the other thing is, because you're taught to do it, aren't you, when you're doing stunts? Like if you're falling or if you're being dropped or if you're landing on your back or your front or whatever, they tell you to lock your jaw into place so you don't, when you hit, you don't close your jaw on your tongue and bite your tongue. That's fine. Good advice. Solid <laughs> advice. I'm yet to do that. But yeah, as a result of that and constantly being cross-patch, Jace has a tight jaw. He has a clenchy jaw. Well, we'll get Jace a face massage Seriously. by the end of this episode yeah. because uh, he's gonna. there's a lot more tension to come. Yeah. <laughs> Before then, we have, there are some smiles that are coming next, but it's mm-hmm. uh, from an unlikely source. So we, Alec and Clary, have a little bit of a reconciliation. What are the Clary's, chances? So Clary's watching over her mother, and uh, this this is why I love working with Matt because he it there's there's so much spontaneity in little moments and little things that he'll do and little mannerisms that he'll have. And I know, I mean, you got to work with him so much. There's it it makes it mm-hmm. fun because you always know he's going to bring something and bounce something in there. And this scene was the first time I got to have a real conversation in a scene with Matt without. Yeah fighting with him and uh it's you know it's this really nice moment and it sort of foreshadows this friendship that that alec and clary build because they're both stuck emotionally in different places right now and being pulled between different forces and there's an odd um and they've both made mistakes and they've both made poor choices Mm -hmm. and and you know the fact that they're able to take a moment and acknowledge that it's a it's a nice different color out of the both of them it is yeah it really is what was uh, what was Matt like? Did you have a similar, I guess, impression when you did Trust? Was it called Trust? Yeah, it was called oh, Trust. Cool. Yeah. Well, what's interesting in that movie is the two of us were playing entirely different characters, and so it was a completely we we had become so accustomed to the sort of butting heads, brother sisterly character relationship. We sort mm. of had to go. 
is there, because he called me when he got offered the film and he's like, are you sure we can do this? Because <laughs> I don't know if we can seriously <laughs> look each other in the eye and flirt. Uh, and I was like, no, no, we got this. And it turned out to be so fun because after working with someone for so long, you work with them on something else and you automatically have a kind of technical shorthand of, and especially with indie movies, things, you're always crunched on time and you're always trying to, you know, make it work more efficiently. Mm. And with Matt, we're going, okay, so this is how we can do. And then if we, and if I stand and you go and okay. And even with the characters, it's just nice to have someone that you, for lack of a better word, trust and just can bounce things off of and know that you can play and that that other person is going to give you back the same sort of energy that you're putting out there. Um, That's so interesting. There also, I have another, I think, fun trust bit of information. Yeah. Lucian, Lucian, I'm like 90% sure he won't remember me. Lucian's British, <laughs> right? He's from Manchester or he's yeah. from up north somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Lancashire. Yeah, he is. He's from Lancashire. So Lucian was one of the first British people I ever met in LA. And we won't, he won't remember me, but I remember it cracking up. We were testing for something together or maybe just auditioning for something together. I can't remember that. And um, it was just like the two of us. And he went off and got a glass of water and then came back in and was like, cho- you know, when you drink water wrong and it, you're like choking. And it was like the funniest thing. I thought it was so funny. He just put everyone in the room at ease. He was such a nice guy. And he like choked a little then got better. And he went, fucking hell, I thought that was the end of me. I thought I was going (laughs) to die there just from drinking some water. And it was so, it was just like everyone was just at ease from then. And I've always remembered him for that. Like he's a really, really nice, uh, really nice guy. So. No, he was lovely. It was such a fun film because we had a whole cast of, folks mm-hmm. and and it was it was nice everyone was kind of down to play and but we're not talking about that mm. right now we've got different issues to deal with at the we moment do. we do we do it's not about trust it's about malik and it's always about malik magnus is such a, a great character in the sense because he's so all-knowing and so wise and so beyond his you know beyond everyone else in in his yeah. wisdom but he still falls victim to very human vulnerabilities and tendencies. And when Alec goes to see him in this next scene, he's clearly as sexy as he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And he's got a drink in his hand. He set the mood and it just makes me so happy. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun leading scene. Of course, anyone who's read the books knows any fans of our show that read the book, they know they know where this episode is going. They know what's going to happen. They don't know how it's going to happen, or but they know that sort of this new partnership is going to spring. And I guess for the the audience, it's the audience that hadn't read the books, which I I I really enjoy talking to those people because they don't have these sort of preconceived notions or these expectations of the show or the relationships. So it's really interesting to talk to those people and they go, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, that was one of my favorite episodes because we didn't know what he was going to choose. Like we didn't know that, and that's a real testament to the two of them, uh, Harry and Matt. Matt for showing this like." fortitude in Alec. No, my decision is made. It's, this is difficult, but this is my decision. I'm doing this. And then Harry with this like frustration with the sort of tempting and flirting and the understanding of what it's like to be a young gay man trying to live, I guess, in shoes that don't fit him. So the two of them do this, this really wonderful like dance. And it's interesting talking to fans who, who didn't know how this was going to end who say, yeah, we genuinely didn't know in this episode. We had no idea which way this was going to end, which is great. 
Good on you guys. And it's great. And and we'll talk more about that when we get to the moment, the moment. to which you're referring. It's this been it's been such a nice arc over these last few episodes to see the push and pull and 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 to see a lot of these vulnerabilities in both of these characters. And and to kind of it I think it sets the foundation for much in the same way that it sets the foundation for the parabatai relationship. Mm-hmm the trials and tribulations you've been through. It sort of sets the foundation for the future of these two characters as well. Yeah, no, very much so. Um, So after our little fun, flirty moment between the two of them, we we dive into a a Simon Clary scene, which she doesn't waste much time, does she? (laughs) Bloody hell. Like, just found out that the love of her life can't happen. So she's like, hey, I know another date that I can invite to this wedding. Crikey, honestly. Good for Simon. Good for you, mate. But fuck. <laughs> I think what that actually is, it's it's less about, oh, one date's gone, let me find another one. And I think it more comes from the fact of Clary and Jace are both reeling because they clearly both thought one perception of this relationship and then suddenly going, oh, it's my brother. So no, that can't happen. Mm. And sort of pushing that away and shutting that door because otherwise it doesn't make any sense and and just needing some comfort. She needs some something that feels normal, something that kind of grounds her, especially since her mother is still stuck and we don't really know what's happening with that and could potentially be gone forever at this mm. point. You need someone who who knows you and she's trying to desperately to still hang on to who she was yeah. and who she is and some semblance of comfort for lack of a better word. And that's Simon. It's, it's always, always Simon. Simon. Poor Simon. Always a bridesmaid until the end of season 3. We'll get there. We'll get there for you, buddy. We'll get there, buddy. Bless him. They <laughs> they like Is he paler in season 1 than he was in season 2? Is that a change we made? So all the vampires are. They did the vampire makeup a little differently in season mm. 1 cuz and, and you see it most on David Castro. You see it mostly on him in um his first episode because it was very white. He was very white. And then slow it's one of those things like the runes and the swords. They slowly but surely figured it and out. And it's an interesting transition cuz he's got quite olivey skin. Mm-hmm. naturally david castro has quite sort of olivey colored skin so it's that's that's the one for me where i see it very much so especially in those early episodes but i just noticed it in alberto a little there i was like you good buddy you spend too much time on the video games you need to get outside man you look a little pale i mean we all got a little pale it was toronto hey seriously yeah that first season i like only saw the sun when i was when they decided we were going to film during the day outside. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is one of the very few episodes that we filmed during the war that I filmed. Early on, you and Matt and Alberto had quite a few daytime outdoor scenes, but I didn't mm. have very many at all in this season. And this episode, we do. We went to that that house, do you remember? Yeah. yeah that yeah, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous house. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So what happens next, Dom? Next, we move into plan mode again. We need to get into plan mode. Ah, Hodge's TED Talk. Hodge's TED Talk. So there are three people <laughs> sat at a table in the Institute who do not want to be sat at a table in the center of the Institute. Uh, Jace <laughs> and Clary, for very obvious reasons, and <laughs> Magnus is in the one place that he does not want to be right now. He does not want to be surrounded yeah. by this uh, enamoring young man's wedding plans. He does not want yeah. to see Alec after their previous conversation. So it's three people in a very uncomfortable state and Hodge ignoring that and talking about the mission. Bless him. Hodges, and I just love how John Core approaches this because he's so excited to have information mm-hmm. and to be able to teach and share. And it's it's like that teacher that always makes you excited to go to class and excited to learn things because yeah. they're into it. And yet everybody also, else is just not Freddie foreshadowing again. Freddie foreshadowing again mm-hmm. that Hodge is such a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Hodge is the best. We love Hodge. Don't you we know? We love Hodge. We all love Hodge. We trust Hodge. We, we were trained Hodge. by Hodge. We all we love him. We want more John Core. We want more John Core. Um, I just saw the <laughs> image that you were talking about with these three warlocks. Um, he actually, yeah. he does an amazing job with the, so the, uh, the screens that we use, those screens um, in the Institute, those big screens and all of the iPads and everything, none of those were touch screen in any way, shape or form. They were all just TV screens. That's all they were. So everything <laughs> we did, there was a graphic that played on the screen that we had to time with everything else. And John is one of the ones mm-hmm. who made it look really effortless. He made it look like there, at no point am I like, oh, there's that weird delay where it didn't quite happen right away. He always got that timing exactly right and makes it look really, really good. And what he's pulled up is the three of your uh, of your warlocks. It's Katrina Loss, Ragnafell, and her name's cut off. But did you say Tessa Gray was the other one? Tessa Gray. Tessa Gray. Tessa We've got Gray. our three warlocks. And we're trying to figure out which one is more powerful than Magnus Bane and which one could have cast this 
charm, the spell, made this potion for Jocelyn that she drank and passed out. And went out. all green and in a bubble. Went all green and bubbly. It's just so much awkward in this scene. And I, I had mm. forgotten how awkward the awkward yeah. got because we got so far past it by the end. But oof, it's you could cut that tension with a knife. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How's There's your jaw doing, Dom? <laughs> God, uh, yeah, this is one of those days where it's like, oh, I'm so sore. Yeah, not happy. Yeah. Nobody's happy except for except for Hodge, who's just oblivious to all of it. Bless him. Just living his life. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you just it to make matters worse, it would be far too easy if Magnus Bain would have gotten in and out of the Institute without bumping into the happy couple. Of course. Of course. And again, credit to Stephanie because she, once again, is plays this kind of delicate situation in such a lovely way. Yeah. Of trying to be gracious and trying to not make it awkward. And, and uh, yet everyone is sort of arrested by the tension in the room yeah we have more tension by adding more characters than nobody wants to talk to each other it's there's like eight people in this room <laughs> right now and four of them don't want to talk to the other four and there's all these crossed purposes good bloody nightmare what a nightmare good lord tension that's enough thank god the scene's over and we're done oh let's move on let's move on to some mission stuff no more tension for me <laughs> oh yeah, no more tension. Missions are never tense. Let's uh let's go out into the English countryside and go out I, and honestly, find I honestly that's Jace's like wheelhouse. Like I don't think he gets tense. Like watch him. Like this is this was something that Darren and I discussed this pretty fervently about how Jace's movements and and the way he fights is like it has this fluidity to it. So it has this um he's it's like walking or like breathing. Like is that's that is where he's the most comfortable. Um, and yeah. I can't remember if it was Darren or myself who brought it up. We wanted it to be like, you know how Captain Jack Sparrow walks on land and he walks like he's drunk, but when he walks on a boat, yeah. he walks perfectly. And that's because he spent so yeah. much time on a boat that he feels comfortable on a boat. And when he gets on land, it feels weird that there isn't that motion. And we kind of wanted mm -hmm. an element of that with Jace where he is most comfortable when he's holding his sword, when he's about to go into action, like that's what makes sense to him. That's all that makes sense to him. Mm -hmm. So I think it's funny that you say like, you know, the battlefield's never tense. It's always tense because it's battle. But like in Jace's head, that is, that's like, that's the norm. Like that's where I feel most at home is, is when I'm charging into, you know, potentially certain death. Yeah. Well, it's pretty, you know what to expect. You're not going to get, because that's where, as you said, that's where Jace is comfortable. And it's the emotional vulnerabilities, not the physical ones, that sort of put him off of his balance, um, for lack of a better word. So. But what's interesting about this, though, is we're dealing with a bit of both. Because, of course, you have the wonderfully quippy Magnus Bane, who is just mm -hmm. poking the bear, just poking. That, uh, poking the elephant in the room, as it were. Just poking it, just yeah. a little bit. Poke, 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 and, poke, poke. Uh, God damn, yeah. yeah. M much to our chagrin that we did not film this in london i, I wanted this to be filmed in london it was only four of us take us over to london let me have a little vacation at home see my peeps there are beautiful fields and beautiful houses that we could have used for this and they were like nope <laughs> absolutely not we'll you hold there. fire in season three we'll go to paris um we didn't know that yet <laughs> No, we didn't. But something I sort of want to set the tone, because a lot of folks, we know this, but the folks at home mm. don't necessarily know this. When we were shooting this scene, I don't know if you remember, 
we were out in this big field, which we hadn't done a lot of during the day. We had this big crane shot, all these special effects shots to do. We had a big, a big day ahead of us. And of course, as is the fashion in September in Toronto, there was a storm front rolling in. And literally, we could see so much of the sky that Pierre, our ADs, our first AD was going, guys, we have we have 30 minutes before torrential downpour to get this entire yeah. scene and all of the shots and the crane shot and the all of the things that we needed to accomplish for this scene, which was a big scene and sort of the, the catalyst for the whole episode. And uh, there's a reason that we're talking so very quickly throughout this entire yeah. scene <laughs> because they're like, all right, the three of you just pump out that dialogue and get it done uh, get so it we done. can move on. In and fact, there's a reason you there's notice, no close-ups. You are actually... You, if you, the scene where we've disappeared, which just popped up, and it's just you, and you're like, "Oh, guys, where are you doing your little like Velma from Scooby Doo thing?" Um, you have yeah. clearly been rained on. You are very obviously oh, yeah. been rained on. If you look at your hair, oh, your yeah. hair actually, you should you should do your hair like this more. It looks great with the little like the sort of the plait, I guess, down the back. It looks yeah. lovely. I mean, look, credit to Ryan Reed, who was our hair department season one. He, I mean, obviously we love Nancy Warren, who did the rest of the show as well. But Ryan sort of established so much of what the world was. And also, bless him, that day, he was out in the middle of that rain with a butane curling iron, just trying to keep those curls in my hair. (laughs) It's so funny, isn't it? It's so funny what is necessary for like, no, no, this is what we want your hair to look like. It cannot be straight has to be curly. Why? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. That was a book it thing, actually. Sense. That was a book thing. Oh, was it? In the books, Clary has naturally curly hair, yeah. And so we wanted to sort of, obviously, I don't have naturally curly hair. And short of, you know, giving me a perm or a wig, that was kind of the closest thing we could do to have that sort of wild mane that Clary is supposed Got to it. have. That's fair. That's fair. If it's If it was book necessary, then that's fair enough. This brings us fairly neatly through... <gasps> the selective uh the selective fire to this scene is so fun this is such a fun scene and he does such a fantastic job um i remember reading it for the first time and there's sort of two pages of dialogue before we get to the reveal of what's happening in this scene and i was like oh that's Mm -hmm. so funny we have like a schizophrenic warlock that's such an interesting yeah not funny haha funny interesting um that's such an interesting take that we have thrown in a warlock who who is battling you know with this as well before we reveal that that's not the case but it was so well written and then he does such a good job at telling Ugh. this story without obviously without us there um yeah really fantastic and i think did i even say or was it in the script i can't really remember um but i feel like someone wrote Jason Magnus's lines in so he knew that what he was reacting to. I think you guys might have done that on the oh, day. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you guys might have spoken about that on the day because I think that was from Adam. Yeah. Because I th- if I remember correctly, look, again, we, we say this all the time. We have all these guest stars that come in and they're so flippin' fantastic mm-hmm. that they dive in and they bring so much to these characters and they commit 100%. And again, we've had Harry, who's been sort of our only main warlock mm-hmm. that we've seen. So he established what warlocks are. And then you have Adam who comes in and just takes it, keeps it consistent and does it, you know, to the level that Harry is doing it, but makes it his own and makes it unique and gives this, it, it really speaks to the uniqueness of every warlock because you know that's that's sort of the mythology each warlock has their own warlock mark and each warlock Mm -hmm. is sort of a lone wolf in in their unique abilities and their unique physicalities and and adam just 
personified that so well. But I believe that was a choice that he asked for. I think he said, what would you say? And what would you say? Just so he had something in his head. That makes sense. Yeah. But I had what so much fun doing this first bit with the pulling him out of the portrait and the way that that, yeah. I mean, credit to our VFX team as well. That was so well, because that the whole portrait eye thing and people going in and out of paintings can be a bit, it, it's not always done seamlessly yeah. in in films and tv and if this, look if yeah. anything is done so often that there's a there's a, a like recurrent theme that it's not done very well mm-hmm. then you're like this is a dangerous ground for us to stand on because it's already been done so many times yeah. to the point where sometimes it gets done quite poorly yeah mm-hmm. i agree with you real credit to the guys for taking something and sort of reinventing the wheel with it yeah and it, it, that's what it felt like it felt reinvented because I didn't as I tried to watch this as a viewer for the first time I didn't see it coming it wasn't sort of spoon-fed to to me visually which I appreciate I also I forgot the tie-in for the book of the white and this is a tie-in to the um the books as well because we have the gray book which is all the runes and the book of the white is this uh infamous spell book and I forgot that that's why we had to find the book of the white because it has the antidote for the potion that's right yeah Little plot um, things. the book of the white that's well yeah that's why we're chasing down uh Ragnafell it's also I, I like this like fun competition that they have like a similar thing between with the shadow hunters as well like who's the fastest who's the strongest who's the best shadow hunter like warlocks have that too and magnus says why is ragnar on that list he's not more powerful than i am and there's this cool like <laughs> sort of sibling relationship thing that they have there which is really neat yeah also i think with adam which i thought was amazing so i obviously being british um, have a real ear for non-British actors giving a British accent a go and the same vice versa with Americans and especially American actors listening to British actors try and do an American accent. You can really hear when things go wrong. And I, he kept this up during the day and I was talking to him about England. That's how convincing he was. I was talking to him about England and eventually said something along the lines of like, how often do you get back and whatever? And he went, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm from here. I'm from here. It's just the the accent for the character. I was like, fuck me, man. Holy shit, really? That's like arguably the most <laughs> impressive British accent I've ever heard in my life. That was fantastic. Hey, if you can fool the Brit, that's that's the stamp of approval Seriously. right there. Yeah. He was so wonderful, just in and so game with, you know, I know they tried on several different horns with him. And there's a whole thing later on, you hear Magnus call him my little cabbage. And what that's a reference to is in the books, Ragnarfell is green. His skin is supposed to be green. Uh, his war- he has that and the horns, which are his warlock mark. And I think they they tried him green, a hint. but they felt there's it was- a hint of green yeah. in his uh, in his makeup. But it's not green, green. It's more like a uh, like a hue, a green hue. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a hue, a whiff, and a hue. And then, of course, we couldn't. Well, as soon as we get just enough information to taste our our victory. It all goes wrong once again. It's so close. We're so close. He thinks he knows. He thinks he has something that can help us. So close. So close. And then this always bugged me. There are like two or three instances in Shadowhunters where I was like, man, this is how this person goes out? Really? Like this is yeah. this one of them's with me in season two. And we'll get to that in season two where I was like, wow. <laughs> You're really? so bitter about that, aren't this, you? So bitter. I'm so <laughs> upset that it ended up being what it ended up being. But this one really pissed me off because this was a Shax demon. It was one little creepy yeah. critter that got him. It wasn't like some big, like elaborate. And we're talking about this person as one of the most powerful warlocks 
in the world, the High Warlock of London. Mm. And he gets got mm. by this. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, we got to give him more of a, but no. Nope. He got got by this. But it's also, it makes it even more painful for Magnus because Ragnar's a bit of an agoraphobe and doesn't let anyone in and doesn't trust anyone. And mm-hmm. Magnus, he even says it, Ragnarfell's the only person, or I'm the only person in the world that Ragnarfell trusts. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he he takes advantage of that trust, it kills him. And it's, yeah. you know, it's it's Magnus feels responsible and then even more Clary feels responsible because ultimately it's all for her yep. and her mama. Yeah, really rough. Um, this is a, this is, you know, we don't talk about this enough. Dying on screen is fucking hard. Like it's really hard work to make it look convincing. Yeah. The one thing that no actor has ever done that they have to try and recreate, you know what I mean? Is dying. You've never, we've never died. Oh, yeah. None of us have ever died. So we it's nothing, it's not something that we can be like, oh, I know vaguely where to do this, how to put this in. He, the two, ah, oh, the two, my f- two favorite deaths on the show are Adam. That's a horrible thing to say, but there you are. Adam does an amazing uh-huh. death, the like cold, dead eyed stare into the distance. And we shouldn't really talk about it yet, but I know. Man, he had a good one. Oh, but we'll talk about that yeah, again. Well- We'll talk about that later on. This heartbreaking <laughs> scene this. is left off with a tearful Magnus saying, just let me take care of my friend. Oh, and this is one of those moments too, where Harry, Magnus is such a character that always has his composure for the most part. But we get these little glimpses with Harry of just how talented he is as an actor. And this was the first time I remember watching Harry do his close up because we were standing off camera for the eyeline. And oftentimes when, you know, you do an actor's close up, the other actor, the scene partner will stand very close to the camera so that they when they look at the other actor, it's closer to the lens and they can kind of catch the full performance. But we were standing and I remember watching the monitor while Harry was doing his close up and just being absolutely floored by his performance. Yeah, so brilliant. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission.
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So, we come back to the Institute full of fire and brimstone because we have been betrayed by somebody. There aren't Mm -hmm. many people that knew where we were going, what we were doing, why we were doing it. It was all done in secret, largely to protect Ragnar because he's a very secretive person, also because we're at war and secrets are best Mm -hmm. kept secret. So someone in the Institute betrayed us. Jace convinces himself that it is Lydia. Makes sense. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't. It Because he Jace doesn't really know Lydia. Right. They haven't really spoken or interacted sort of at all. Jace just sort of sees her as like, you're from the clave. The clave doesn't like me. Like the clave is not a fan. They know that I'm good at what I do. So I have this reputation, but I don't follow your rules. So that's how he sees Lydia. So he has convinced himself that Lydia is the traitor. Um, And then I believe it's Clary who says, let me talk to her. You're too angry. Let me talk Mm -hmm. to her. Well, it's Clary and Isabel. Oh, it's both of them. Yeah, it's Clary and Isabel. And I think Again, we see this this sort of team up and this these two women that are are going to become such a good team together in the future. This is one of the first glimpses we see of them working together. I mean, albeit against Jace in this instance, but but working as a team to calm Jace down and kind of good cop bad copping him and Clary taking a moment and going, "Look, I'll talk to her. I'm the outsider. I'm Valentine's daughter. Let me take this is my responsibility. Let me let me take care of this." Mm. I'll do the human emotional thing. You're too you're too worked up. Let me take a crack at it. Yeah. Ironically, too emotional to take on this task is Jace. Bless him. <laughs> but and and then to that point, then it it goes into the scene with Lydia. Correct. I remember on the day, this was one of those scenes. It was at the very end of the day, at the very end of a week. We were running over time. We were out of time. And by the time we got to my close-up, they came over to me and went. You have one take. Please hit your marks. Yeah. We have to pull the plug after this take. I'm so sorry. Which normally we get at least two, maybe three if we're lucky. But I sort of went, all right, one of the biggest scenes of the episode. Lots of dialogue, important story points. Let's figure it out. But, you know, it's a testament to our our camera operators and our crew and everyone. Because when it gets to the 11th hour, we can pull together and work as a team and make the scene great. And I love how this scene is written. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode and quite a bit with Lydia. But it's... It's so great when you have two female characters that are still put at odds, but they're put at odds in a way that is still mature and it's it's never catty and you know it's it's testy, but it's human. And you have these two women that are are having a real conversation and not just fighting with each other to have to pit two women against each other as as you know is the common case. Yeah, no mature. I mature is a really good word. It is it's mature. It's adult. It's an adult conversation to have. It's not bitchy. It's mm-hmm. 
it's grown up it's uh it's educated it's eloquent it's tasteful like it's yeah it, it, these scenes and especially the women in our show were written like like real women as much as is humanly possible within a very supernatural world um and i think that's a, a real credit to the team we we had creating these women yeah and then obviously the women who portrayed them like it's you know it's it, you, you can only write so far until you get someone on screen and then it's their face their body their voice it's them doing this thing so you know credit to you and stephanie there because you did a fantastic job well, thank you. It's I think the most important thing is seeing the heart of both of these characters. And they they both really are coming from a well-intentioned place, but are in a rather difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what's said at the end of that, but I'm pretty sure we figure out, or at least you figure out, that Lydia is not the traitor, right? Isn't that what we, well, we just find? Yeah, and how it ends up is actually a really nice moment. Because they, they fight and they butt heads and Clary goes to storm out and then turns around and goes, how do I trust you? Because she, she genuinely, she just goes, you know what? Fine. If you're going to claim this, how can I believe it? Mm-hmm. And very smartly, Lydia says, well, you're Valentine's daughter. I learned to trust you. Yeah. That's and right. Clara goes, right. fair enough. But, you know, in true, in true short, red-headed, bad-tempered fashion, walks up to Lydia and goes, these people are my family and I protect my family. So do not cross me. Fair enough. And then leaves it at that. It's like, fine, Fair I'll believe enough. you. But if you cross me, you're dead. Um, <laughs> I think we missed an opportunity with this next scene that could have been a really cool, like, Simon in a mirrored hallway doing, like, the dress-up montage of trying on different suits and stuff. I think we really missed uh, right? And I think Alberto would have dug that, too. Like, a full, like, trying on oh everyone and then, like, clothes coming out of the wardrobe one by one, whatever. The, the truth is he looks fantastic in whatever he wears, so that montage is a useless of course. piece of footage, but could have been fun. <laughs> well, it would have been fun to see even Raphael go, no, 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 yeah. and hey, and try this yeah, one. Yeah. And, you know, the whole let Raphael pretty woman him, you Whoa, know? that guy, the guy who walks, uh, speaking of pretty vampires, the guy who walks Isabel into this scene in, in the background, I'm not sure who this is. I wasn't yeah. here this day. Dude looks more like Robert Pattinson than Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I'm saying, like, this is wild. Like, absolutely wild to me. He looks, like, facially, lips, eyes, nose, his jawline. Like, that. if that's not Robert Pattinson, I don't know, I don't know what's what anymore. That's mental. That is absolutely mental. Everyone check that out. Oh, you never heard? Because that guy. We, uh, we got our Pattinson Rob came day. in and did a day. He, he, he yeah, came he in and did a day. Listen, if we have Batman in the back of one of our scenes, I am so happy. So happy. Yep. I can die happy if, if yeah. we had if we had the Batman. I agree. I agree. Oh my goodness. But also this is a nice little a little wink to to future Sizzy because, you know, it's it's one of the first times since episode one or two that these two have interacted. And, you know, nobody's dying right now that they know of. Yeah, which is, it's such a rare thing. I mean, Simon's already dead, so. Simon is dead and therefore cannot be dying because <laughs> he's dead. Well. What happens when vampires die? Do they die? They don't, they can't die. They, they just expire. Well, you know what happens? How many vampires did you kill on the show? No, I know, but what do we call it? They go it? poof into smoke no, and ash. I know that, but what will we call it? Like we, we can't be killing vampires because oh. vampires don't, can't die because they're dead. <gasps> Dispatching them? Dispatching them is not bad. They they just expire like a egg timer. There you go. <laughs> like an egg timer. Yeah, sure. They're just done. 
Um, we get a great scene, which thank God we do because we get to see Adam again. Yes! Adam comes back as sort of this force ghost slash memory from Magnus. And we just get to see this like fun relationship between the two of them. This like, actually it is kind of catty. It is kind of bitchy, but in like a very brotherly sense in the same sort of way that Alec and Jace can be at each other's throats, especially in later seasons, they can be at each other, but in the, in the way brothers do, in the way siblings do. And you get to see this really wonderful. And I, one of my favorite things we do on the show is the look backs are more ancient characters and they can talk about like, mm-hmm. oh, I hated this thing that happened in 1650 or whatever. And, they, you know, it's that reminder of like, wow, these people have been around for a literal eternity. These people have been around for hundreds mm. and hundreds of lifetimes and experienced more than any other creature on the planet, which is uh, really wonderful. But we get to see this nice uh, dynamic between Harry and Adam again. Absolutely. And there's a, a nice tie-in. Oh, that that comes later because we flash back to this a few times. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll bring that up later. But you're right. It's it's a really lovely scene. And I love that you describe it as a force ghost. I think that's such a fact way to Isn't that, isn't that sort <laughs> of exactly, that's kind of exactly what it is though, right? Yeah, we just can't call it yeah, that because no, that's it is. another You're Disney so right. property. It's, we're not allowed to say that. I well, mean, we can now on this. Even but... more so we can. I guess so, yeah. Property. Did we? It's all we the actually same had, now. No, that's right. We had, Izzy's, Izzy's yeah. wearing a Star Wars shirt in episode 10. Yeah. yeah. Were we just allowed to use anything from Disney? Why didn't we bring like light? I did it. I had a reference. I had a Star Wars reference in season two with Simon. Yeah. Wow, it's all coming back to me now. I wonder how many <laughs> other pop culture references I managed to sneak in without anyone knowing. That's great. Uh, we do a few of them. So now we get into the bachelor party. Mm, yeah. Alex bachelor party. Also, by the way, um, I don't know if, is this what you were going to say about location? Oh, no, that's a good, that's a good shout. I was going to talk about the music. And and just ask where they're supposed to be. Is this at the institute? Did Izzy I rent out a nightclub? A bar, yeah. I think she rented out a bar. Um, was sort of the idea, uh, which is just our sort of amorphous bar that we use for everything. So this was the vampire bar. This was the warlock party bar. It is the same set. Mm-hmm. I think it ends up being like the sewers when we fight the uh, Drevik demons, the like wormy demons in season three. That's here also. Yeah. It's also the subway in, in the beginning, and it's the boat basin. It is the boat basin. That's right. When It's the boat that's basin. right. Wow. We really did and use the shit out of the creepy, um It's also the creepy dungeon where the uh, Iris Rouse's demon is. Oh, that's right. Two. And I think it was the dungeon where Simon was a serial killer and killed Fisk. I think so, right? So yeah, yeah, what's yeah. amazing about this, listeners who who maybe don't know, and if you do know, I'm not being patronizing, I just would love to explain so everyone knows. Um, we film an episode of a show in anywhere between like, I think we got the quickest one was like six or seven days, and then the longer ones were like, yeah. the pilot took like three weeks to film. Um, so anywhere between that time. But the turnaround between episodes is days, if that. If you're lucky, you end on a weekend. If you end midweek, then Wednesday, you're shooting 103. Thursday, you're shooting 104. And the set decoration team, who are in charge of making sure that the sets look correct and everything's whatever, they have to turn these sets around within that time. So 
let's say between two episodes we're using this location, the set deck team turned this from the hardtail, the vampire bar, into this or into the dungeon or into the basement or into whatever it is, the subway, in days. And it is unbelievable mm-hmm. because they look like entirely different spaces. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Anyway, so we move into the bachelor party, Izzy being... Well, the- but it's it's true that you say that, though, because we were so lucky because every time we walked into a new set, it was a completely full, immersive world. Yeah. And I, I was always so grateful for our set deck team and for our set design and art department and everything that puts so much energy into every single detail. I remember exploring sets three years in and finding something new that I had never seen before, some detail, some... Thing I could play with that was just mm-hmm. completely brand new. I did a scene with Alberto in, I forget if it was season two or three in the boat basin. And he, he had this monologue and wanted some like business to do. And so he just looked around the set and found something and then found a, a rag and a thing. And, and suddenly he'd created his entire scene from yeah. the set. We, I, we had it. I had the, the big one I had was in season two when, uh, they sort of redesigned Jace's bedroom or Jace got moved in the Institute and was in sort of the spire of the, mm-hmm. of the, of the castle, the church. Um, and I remember walking in that day and everyone sort of knew me well enough at that point that they were like, Dom's going to touch everything. Just so you know, Dom's going to play with everything yeah. in this thing. So everything in there was practical. The punching bags were, were uh, like hard driven into the roof so you could actually use them. The pull-up bars, hard driven into the roof so you could use them. Like absolutely everything in that room was practical and from the ground up built with Jace in mind. And that's such a is such an amazing thing to have that this much thought is going into these characters behind the scenes. Really wonderful. Anyway, we uh, do, as Kat was mentioning, we get to move on to the bachelor party. Arguably the best slash worst bachelor party ever, depending on what you were expecting. If you are expecting mm-hmm. reconciliation with your best buddy and that your best buddy is going to be your best man and he's going to stand next to you no matter what happens for the rest of your days, then this is the best bachelor party ever. If you were expecting booze and Jaeger bombs and strippers, this is not a good bachelor party. But also maybe you had the wrong interpretation. No, although the music is there. The music is great. <laughs> the music is great. Music. The music is there. Also, the word for best man that I still do not know. Sean Jean, I, I think. I've never come across that before. Um, isn't that Shadowhunter's word? Is it? I don't think I so. I thought so. I I mean, they just put it on my script and I was like, okay. Um, let me skip to the end of this scene quickly and see. I think it might be Sojun. So, so We're learning all sorts of things. Sujin. Yeah, Sujin. Sujin. Yeah. Um, God, how would you even spell that? S-O-U-J-I-N, maybe? Let's see. Uh, maybe. No- oh, a rookie member serves in the Haishin army as an archer. That doesn't seem right. This is probably another one of those words, though. Like, um, even like parabatai. I remember talking to Cassie about the word parabatai because it's only ever really been written down. So I think it's, it might even have been Cassie who said she always thought it was going to be pronounced parabatai. I think. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Maybe it wasn't Cassie. Maybe it was a fan who said that. But, like, it's another one of those things. If Sujin is a shadow hunter's word, which it seems to be, unless I'm spelling it wrong because I can't find it anywhere, I bet it's some, like, really simple word that I'm just spacing on and everyone's going to be like, you idiot, it means this. <laughs> um, or it means something really rude, in which case I desperately apologize. Oh, it's S-U-G-G-E-N-E-S. 
Jesus. S-U-G-G-E-N-E-S. Oh, yeah. A sujen is a term used to refer to a person at a Shadowhunter's wedding who walks the bride or groom along the aisle as their betrothed welcome the, welcomes them to the latter. It's a Shadowhunter's word. Who oh, no. knew? There you go. Um, so again, it's one of those words that we got to define it. Like we got to pronounce this word however we wanted to. But uh, the importance of this scene is the apologies between the two of them. You know, things got really dark between Alec and Jace. And I think they both knew that there would always be a, a reconciliation. But when it was going to come, nobody knew. So they were just wasting time that they could have had with their best friend and their soulmate during this time, which they didn't have. Um, so apologies all round and reconcilia reconciliations of these two, um, which I, as an actor, was very grateful for because, you know, we worked quite hard at the beginning of making this relationship what it was and then to sort of tear it apart was actually quite harrowing. It was quite hard work to play like you have this disdain for someone that you really care about. So I'm really glad that we got back to, you know, us again before Jace yeah <laughs> loses his mind a little in the next episode yeah but to be fair that's it's very similar in the scene with you know lydia and clary it's very mature in the way mm -hmm. that they both go about doing this and it's but it's also very human because they're both caught in these weird situations with their love lives and it's it's not something as shadow hunters that they're used to talking about and so the fact that they can because they are the one person in the world that the other can be vulnerable with as their parabatai Yep. So it's nice to finally see these two warriors and these two people who've had to just keep it together for so long go, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't yeah. know how to feel or what's happening. This is confusing and I don't, but I'm glad I have you and sort yeah. of reaffirm that bond that then carries through the rest of our series. Absolutely. And it's beautifully done. So credit to you guys. Thank you very much. That's very sweet. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. 
criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. We should start talking about the scene, the scene of scenes. We should. But first, let me just mention one more thing, because we go back to Ragnarfell and Magnus one more time. And because this is sort of the catalyst that goes into the wedding, because Ragnar starts talking to Magnus about Alec and about love and about all of this. And Ragnar goes, Ragnar tells Magnus to fight for it. If it's worth it, if love is worth it, you fight for it. And that is sort of the inspiration that Magnus needs to do what he does next. But it brought up an interesting thought that I wanted to run by you and see what your opinion is. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this is actually Ragnar's ghost or if it's an element of Magnus's subconscious memory of Ragnar. I figured it was a memory. Yeah, because then it's, you know, Magnus convincing himself and it's this is coming from within Magnus as well. From and you know whether or not Magnus is aware that it's it's his own subconscious that's going no no I can't I can't let him go yeah no I always had sort of figured it was his imagination bringing him back and like the force ghost element was just a funny like actual aesthetic image to see but no I had always assumed that this was like Magnus talking to like what would Ragnar do like what would Ragnar say in this situation and this is the the embodiment of that yeah um, which brings us. Fairly neatly, and finally, to the oh. wedding of the century. Up until well, this point, it's the wedding of the century. Up until this point, which <laughs> there's there's more to come. There's more to come. <laughs> we, when I say the writers agonized over this, set deck agonized over this, costumes agonized over this, the actors agonized over this, and then actually being on set, we spent two days just filming this one scene, which. It is so uncommon mm-hmm. in the film and TV world, at least in this sort of TV world, so uncommon um, that we spend such yeah. a long time filming this scene. But it had such uh, a poignant weight to it um, and was such a big part of our story that it it deserved that time. It deserved that weight. Um, and what transpires is, so, I think, some of the best acting, performing uh, directing, uh, editing, everything that was in this from, you know, hair and makeup, costumes, right to everything. Every single element of this was so perfect for what it needed to be. And I'm so incredibly proud of all of the people that were a part of it. And this is what I always go back to when I refer to the magic and the rarefied air and the lightning in a bottle that was our show. Because it was, as you said, every single department cared so much. And when it came to these really big book moments, which we had several of throughout our series, there was a little bit of magic that happened when all of these elements blended perfectly. And you just have from from hair and makeup to wardrobe to the acting, the cinematography, the set deck, the co- everything came together so beautifully to create this world and this image. And it, it we got to live it. Mm. And it didn't feel as though we were doing a scene and didn't feel as though we were um, working to do this. It was happening. And uh, 
it, it's so rare that you get that and you get the time to really do something properly. Totally. But, you know, credit to the folks that gave us the resources to do that on the show mm-hmm. um, because these moments are important. So important. And it's, I remember this happening, the, this like, the reactions from everyone really tell the story of mm-hmm. how much people cared about both of these characters and how much pride they have that they're, that they're, you know, opening themselves up to this. I just, I remember my reaction and in my head, obviously couldn't say this on the show, but in my head, I was like, fuck yeah, buddy. Good for you. Fucking great. And yeah. I, I, you can't say that out loud, but like, that was, that's, that <laughs> was the pre-born. reaction, it, you know, no, yeah, you sure can't. Yeah. But before we get to that moment, there's so much that happens up mm-hmm. until then, because not only is there this excitement in the air, but there's a tension because everyone knows you know, it, it's sort of the, the other elephant in the room that no one's talking about. There's, you know, there's the Jason Clary elephant, which is sort of a baby elephant. But then you have the grand elephant that is everyone knows that these two aren't necessarily, at least all of our, our characters know that these two aren't necessarily in love and they're potentially committing to uh, a bond that in the world of the Shadowhunters, it's for it's life. once. Yeah, you do you, this you one get time It, it is to death, Dillis part. Because there are some runes that are, and this is a carryover from the books, there are some runes that come and go and some things that you have to re-rune on yourself. But the Wedded Union rune is one that is permanent. Mm. So no matter what you do, unless you're exiled and de-runed, that one will be there for life. Yeah. And it's a permanent bond, like the Parabatai bond. Yeah. Well, semi-permanent. Mm-hmm. There is a, a moment between you and Alberto. Yeah, over over your shoulder. It's one of my favorites from him. Where yeah, he gets I, have a little, to, I just have to bring that up. Gotcha, buddy. Yeah, I gotcha. Fuck you. And it's a really gives you a nice little eyebrow. Yeah, he does. He gives me a little like, thing, oh. and I'm like, oh, good for you, man. That's 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 really that's what I would have done. That's great. <laughs> that's exactly what I would have done. That's awesome. But that's the thing about the scene is there's all those little moments. You know, you see you see Hodge and Maris talking, and you see you know mm-hmm. all the and there's there's the moment between. Um, I'm trying to remember the sequence of events. But as we get into the wedding. Yeah, we sort of dive in pretty quickly to the tension of like, this wedding is actually in full force. Like it's sort of, it gets to that moment of like, does anyone object to this wedding? Does he say that? He doesn't say that, right? Yeah. Does he actually say that? No. No, but she is putting the stele to his hand. And then suddenly you hear the doors open and everyone looks and there's Magnus Bane. Which is my favorite entrance, by the way, because it seems like, I don't know. We should have asked him about this. It seems like he thought he was going to come into like the lobby and accidentally came into the wedding hall. And he sort of has this like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, no, this is I didn't think I would be like here, here. I thought I would have an extra like 30 seconds to plan this through. And here it comes. (laughs) It's it's happening in front of me. And it's so funny. I think it's such a brilliant thing because he's like looking down as well and then looks up and is like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So good. Here I am. And Everyone's that, looking at that me. That actually, I think, is the moment they figure it out. I think as soon as, because he. I think so too. Harry comes in, uh, Magnus comes in and sees Alec and locks eyes. Alec sees Magnus and locks eyes and neither of them blink. They just look at each other and don't really look around again. I think Alec has a couple looks of panic later on. But that I think, I genuinely think that's the moment where they see in each other like, I know what I need to do. I know what happens here. I know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. And then Lydia helps solidify mm-hmm. that. Lydia being the hero that she is, that, you know, she started off 
to yeah. the audience as kind of this bad guy. But really, Lydia is the one, Lydia is the first one to say out loud that it's okay. I accept you for who you are. I get it. Go do your yeah. thing. She's the first one in our show to say it out loud. Everyone else, you know, whether they feel yeah. it or whatever, the first one who says it is Lydia. That's the, f- except for obviously Magnus, but that's the mm-hmm. first person who actually says it to him. Yeah. Well, that's such a testament too, because it, it sort of not exonerates, but it, it, it gives Alec permission to still, to not leave Lydia hanging. You know, he yeah. is then given the freedom to make the choice because he obviously is, is a good person and doesn't want to leave anyone at the altar because that's not a nice thing to do. But also it, love in this world is, is such a huge thing, especially this kind of romantic love, especially for shadow hunters. It only happens once. And they're all aware of that. Lydia's lost the love of her life already. And she, in order for her not to put someone else through that, she sees it in front of her. She recognizes it yeah. more than anyone else does mm-hmm. in that room. And it's it's a really interesting moment. But I, I love how Matt and Harry play this because you truly, as an audience member, if you don't know what happens, you do not know if they're going to fight or kiss or yell at each other. Or it looks you like just it's going to hit know. him. He looks like he's going to hit him. It does, a little bit. If you don't know, you're kind of going, what's, what's going to happen here? Yeah. What's going on? And it's brilliant because even for people who know, even though I know what's going to happen. We got to see this for the first time. Do you remember we were live tweeting this at Freeform? It was the first time we got to see it. And we all cheered when it finally happened. And we got to see how it was framed on camera. Because we watched the, you know, the actual event happen over and over and over again. But we didn't know how it was going to be framed or what was going to happen. The music, the tension. We didn't know what was going to happen there. And that was the first time we got to see it. And we all, um, uh, I would imagine with, you know, everyone watching the show all collectively cheered. Mm-hmm. Well, and you always see things on camera, especially with Matt and Harry and the way that they play this relationship out. There's there's little moments in their eyes that you, mm. you can't see from across the room. But even when Magnus comes in, when, they, when he locks eyes with Alec for the first time, there's almost a challenge that mm-hmm. he, he kind of looks at, at Alec and goes, okay, I'm here your move. And, and there's, there's almost a whole conversation that happens between the cuts. And, um, there's another moment that happens with Claire and Jace way later in the series that we'll talk about that caught me off guard when I saw it back. Cause I didn't even know we did it, but we'll talk about that later. Later, much later, much later. And I love that. I love how Maris too just interject. We, I got to talk about Maris in this moment, just the way she just interjects herself right in the middle of her son's relationship. Of course. And Nicola does such a good job at it too. Simon's little speech, Elaine, is is that what he says? Elaine, that's it, Elaine. (laughs) His little speech there is my, it's such a Simon thing. Like it's such a him thing to do. And then, and this is- But also immediately makes it awkward by going, and then they don't know what they're doing next. Right, yeah, yeah. Just sell at the back (laughs) of the And they're like, thanks. We needed to hear that right now. (laughs) That's exactly how we feel. Thank you for telling everyone. And we get this, uh, the the end of this scene is sort of brought together and links into what's going to happen next. Actually, Jace accepting Lydia, you're always going to have a place here at the Institute. Yeah. Which- Mm-hmm. I liked that they put in. I liked that they gave us that. Like, And I actually thought they were going to bring her back come season two and ended up not doing it. Yeah. But I liked that. Well, she got another job, which is... Yeah. Oh, is that what happened? Good for her. Yeah, she got her own show. Oh, <laughs> so well, she's fair like, enough. sorry, I got to go, go play soccer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But, um, but, but something about this scene, as you mentioned earlier, are all the reactions, not only when the moment is happening, but then after. You know, even you see 
there's all the kids are happy and everybody's doing and Isabel runs over and Clary's beaming and everything's going on. Clary and Jace have a nice little moment where they get to reconcile and mm-hmm. go, look, you know, we're in this together. So let's let's figure it out together because you're the only other person in this. But there's a there's a three shot of Hodge, Robert Lightwood, and Maris Lightwood at one point where you see Maris fuming. I mean, there might as well be steam coming out of her ears. Hodge is trying to hide his smile because he's just, you know, given the the under under the brow thumbs up. And then you have poor Paulino as Robert, who just looks like he doesn't know what to do with himself because he wants to be happy, but he knows his wife's going to be mad. So he's just sort of avoiding everything. And it's my favorite three shot because it's such disparate reactions altogether. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) It just made me giggle. Yeah. And what um, a kiss, by the way. What a kiss. What a a kiss. kiss for the ages, honestly. What a kiss. Just brilliant. Oof. We move on from this, sadly, to a table full of magical shit, which I'm like 90% sure is not how Jace it was described in the script. Always playing with the <laughs> dagger. A uh, table full of magical shit, which leads <laughs> us to, unfortunately, the book is in the hands of Camille is in the hands of mischievous, yeah. tricksy little McKeel. Camille. <laughs> McKeel? Wow. <laughs> McKeel. My syllables mixed up there. That wasn't great. McKeel. That's what I called her. That's how um, crazy she is. She's just all over the place. She's all over the place. So we got to go find Camille. Well, we know where she is. She's mm-hmm, locked yes. in a coffin. Yeah, she's not going anywhere. In, Unlikely to have Raphael's a book got her, her but... locked up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's in her possession. So we got to go it talk is. to her. To figure out where it is. Leading to poor Lydia by an unknown... <sighs> Hasn't even taken her hair down from the wedding. No, an unknown, An unknown attacker comes at her from the dark like a coward and smacks her. Smacks her silly. But why? Mm-hmm. But why does that happen, Kat? Why would someone attack why? poor Lydia? Ah, oh, the mortal cup. And who? Who would be so dastardly? But then it brings us to a really painful but touching scene that I mm. I remembered the scene but I didn't remember the actual dialogue and watching it back again it's just a testament to our writers and how they thread everything together and and just create such lovely mm. moments Clary brings out the JC box because it's something that she's yeah. hidden away knowing that it's her brother's sort of putting away that part of the confusing all the confusing news that's come out about her family the fact that, you know, oh, yeah, I also have a sibling that died, so I thought. Mm-hmm. Now I'm now he's sitting right in front of me. And knowing the pain of, of feeling abandoned by your parent and feeling as though you were rejected by them and Clary knowing who Jocelyn is and having seen Jocelyn struggle her whole life wants to give that almost as a gift to Jace and say, look, you know, yeah. this is this is you. You were not forgotten. You were not the abandoned, rejected child that you always thought. You were loved your whole mm-hmm. life. I always thought it said JG on that box. If you look at it, it looks like a G. <laughs> John Nugathan. <laughs> so mm-hmm. stupid. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting to see the role reversal. Yeah, I, re- I remember doing this scene. Yeah. it's It's a little bit of a role reversal. But it is, it's interesting to see this as, you know, we've seen Jace sort of shepherd Clary through this the whole time and bring her back to the ground when she's feeling lost and alone and abandoned. And we get to see Clary do that just even infinitesimally for Jace in this moment, even though it's a lot harder to touch that level of confusion. Yep, yep, yep. Um, How do we end this episode? 
So then the Lightwood parents confront Malik. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. We get angry mum and slightly confused, like from the previous times, dad, who's just a bit like, I don't get it, but if you're happy, no, whatever, then that's fine. Yeah. I really like that. Again, that's such a real, it's such a genuine like thing where like Mm -hmm. people of a different generation are like, you know what? I don't really understand, but also good for you. I'm all right with it. And I love that. That was one of the, I really loved that moment. And Paulino did such a good job at just being Mm -hmm. like, this sort of behind the times dad I thought was such a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really great. And also a really nice moment for Alec to be like, at least I've got my dad for now. At least I've got my dad. Yeah. Um, yeah I've got my dad. I've got my brother really and lovely. sister. And it, it's, it's not something that I love about our show as well is that they don't shy away from the difficult sides of these controversies yeah. and the difficult sides of these situations. And I think that's why so many people have connected to Magnus and Alex's story, because it was very real. You have, you know, Maris, who's saying some really, really cutting things. Yeah, but we hear a lot of these kids talk about, you know, um, their experiences with coming out to their parents or whatever, and that Nicola was their inspiration behind it because of the journey that Maris goes through, because of the lack yeah. of understanding initially that grows into an understanding that gave these kids the courage to do um, what they needed to do, which is really fantastic. It's a really wonderful thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This leads us to finding out who our dastardly villain is, who oh, just attacked our poor Lydia. The rat. Oh, the mold. Heartbreaking. I know. Oh my God. This is what, this is, I think, what drives Jace over the edge is that our friend, our mentor, our teacher, the one person that we thought we could trust with anything is a traitor. Is an absolute traitor. I. Hodge. Furious. Absolutely Hodge. furious. Hodge. Why? You bastard. You bastard. How could you? One book tidbit. Um, that we actually mm. changed is that the, what uh, Hodge is using to communicate with Valentine, the ring that he twists, it's uh, a Sealy ring that is used as a two-way mm. communication device. There are two rings that exist. And if you twist it one way, it's um, done. And it's actually used by Simon and Clary in the books. Um, when oh. uh, Clary is with uh, Evil J, when Teen Evil is happening. Yeah, yeah. And Clary's off and Clary is in her own mind. She has the ring and Simon has the other one. And that's how they communicate. But um, So I end up having that Not then. so in this because... Because we changed Team Evil. We never used it. No, yes, we did. Did you have the ring? Yeah, I do. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. I do. That's the whole giveaway. That was the whole thing in the seat in the bone chandelier is the is the ring on my finger. Like I have to focus to keep it hidden. It's the ring on your finger. Um, but yeah, I end up using it. Anyway, uh, for another day. For now... So see, there you go. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful episode. Uh, Malik meant so much to to all of us from the Shadowhunters team, and I know meant so much mm-hmm. to so many of you out there as well. So thank you for for coming along with us and allowing us to to revisit the wonderful birth of this relationship. It's so true. And obviously, you know, Dom, you and I love what we do for a living, and we get a chance to tell these stories and do all these wonderful things. But when you have a moment in a story that has a, a greater benefit to a lot of people and a, and a real impact that people can connect to. And it, it, it does some real good in the world. And I think Malik did a lot of good for a lot of people and showed Matt and Harry and the writers and everyone did such a good job at creating this example of a real grounded, but also 
healthy relationship between two people and and how that affects the people around them and the relationships around them. And, um, you know, we've heard so many stories of how it's inspired people. And it's, um, I'm just so grateful to have been a small tangential part of telling that story. And thank you to all of you for loving it as much as we did. Until next time, everybody out there, thanks for coming with us. Bye, angels. Return to the Shadows is hosted and executive produced by me, Dominic Sherwood, and Catherine McNamara. Our executive producer is Ling Lee. Our senior producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. And our producers are Hannah Harris and Kristin Vermilia. Original music by Alex Kinsey, performed by Alex Kinsey and Catherine McNamara. And the episode was mixed by Seth Alansky. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.